All right, my friend, we have got some uh, awesome stories tonight. I'm not going to waste any time, but man, between uh, some of the most expensive whiskey in the world and the story behind that to a guy who'd rather get arrested than spend another minute with his wife <laughs> to a person who's uh, taking cruise ships to places and in ways that we've uh, never seen, uh, where the Mormon church keeps their money and uh, and how that works and when you hire the wrong hitman uh, to kill your wife. So we've got a lot of crazy stuff to talk about, a whole lot more than that. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. We get the sucker started. Let's do it. All right. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. Knock, knock. Guess who? You get the horn show. Oh, hey. Come on in. <laughs> Tad and Jeff here. <laughs> and uh, excited to entertain you tonight. We've got a lot of great stories and a whole bunch of crazy stuff to talk about. So wherever you are, however you found us, thank you for tuning in. And we're going to have a little bit of fun together. How are you tonight, my friend? Doing good. Doing good. How about you? Excellent, excellent, excellent. And uh, looking forward to running through some of these stories with you. As always, we got some good ones. The world never fails to disappoint. Unless you care about the state of the world, in which case it's disappointing on a daily basis. But sure. But, but as it pertains to stuff to talk about on this show, <laughs> the world never fails to disappoint. So <laughs> let's start with this first one here. In 1998, Michael Hill was at a friend's house. And after hearing a knock at the door, he went to see who it was. He opened the door and was stabbed in the skull with an eight-inch serrated blade. He was rushed to the hospital with his future uncertain. Remarkably, however, Hill survived and was released from the hospital within seven days. The knife did, however, cause permanent damage to his memory and paralyzed his left hand. And here is a picture... Of the x-ray. Now keep in mind that he survived. See, you know, I would, I would probably get sepsis from a, a a splinter and somehow you can get this large of a knife to go all the way down through your skull and you're out of the hospital in seven days. Yeah. Is that crazy or what? That is nuts. And for people listening on the podcast, we have the x-ray up on the screen right now. You can see it on our YouTube page. Uh, but yes, I mean, is that, that's insane. That's just like, it's not your time. We've talked about it in other situations and in other stories, but that's just that situation that it's just must not be your time. Must not. That is crazy. Um, this was actually, it happened in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, 44 weird. year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have never guessed. Yeah. You would have never thought of all the places that this could have happened. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, so he was visiting his sister on Jacksonville's North side, he answered the door, her neighbor plunged the knife into his skull. He's visiting from across town and he thought it, it was dark. He thought he got hit. He didn't know what happened. He remained conscious. And at one point he remembers a paramedic telling police that he wasn't going to make it. And they got him into the emergency room. And the surgeons were able to pull the knife out without severing any major blood vessels. And a week later, 
he was able to walk out of the hospital and into the Guinness Book of World Records for having the largest foreign object successfully removed from a human brain. Hey, congratulations. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yes, the the uh, the power of, I guess, just uh, persistence. Uh, you know, he did not he did not die for some reason. And a serrated blade. If you're going to get stabbed in the skull, the serrated blade's like the worst blade you could have. I yeah, mean, it doesn't. It's not easy in. It's not easy out. You know, it's this going to be challenging. Jeez. He said, uh, "I know people in worse shape than me now, so I consider myself lucky." Yeah, good for you, buddy. Yeah, for real. He's been on the Mari Povich Mari Povich show and was also on Oprah. Now, no word uh, on his appearance on Mari Povich whether or not it was determined that he was in fact the father. But uh, (laughs) I think think Uh, the only thing that Mari Povich does on his show is DNA tests to determine who the father of uh, of a child is. So. If I were this well, guy, I'd be like, wait a minute, I don't want to go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it couldn't be me. I had a knife stuck through my head. There's no chance. <laughs> this kid looks nothing like me. Do you see any knives sticking out of his head? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, no. Got a heck of an alibi. No, this yeah, is sorry. Derek. I was getting stuck. <clears throat> Derek Smith, the man who stabbed Hill, was convicted in July of 1998 of assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> And sentenced to one year in the Duval County Jail. Come on, man. <laughs> one year? How do we do one year for stabbing a guy in the I, head? I, man, he's got a good attorney, boy. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I don't... I, I I have no idea what the motive could have been. I'm not sure yeah. really it should matter. Because I don't think <laughs> there's anything that could be that bad that would require <laughs> you to be stabbed in the head no. with a serrated 8-inch blade. But here we are. And he only did a year in jail. <laughs> Can you imagine the other neighbors? Like this guy gets out of jail, comes back home, and the next thing he's just out mowing his lawn. Like, hey, Larry, how are you? It's like, hey, see aren't you? The, yeah, you're the dude that stabbed it. Like, no, don't yeah. come over here. We're not friends. Yeah, no. Oh, they accidentally threw my newspaper in your driveway. Keep it. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. We're good. Yeah. We're good, buddy. I don't need it. Yeah. You call Amazon. And be like, yeah, we delivered it to uh, this. <laughs> It's cool. That's I'll just right. order another one. Right. <laughs> yeah, that that the oxygen machine for my mother. I, I she'll have to wait it out. <laughs> uh, not she'll worth the fun. risk. I'll just blow in her face. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's gonna be hard for her to breathe, but it'll be a lot worse than getting, uh, or a lot better than getting stabbed in the head, which is the alternative here. So yeah, I'll wait. My gosh. <laughs> crazy (laughs) crazy crazy all right so then uh moving on from that uh you know we've all been here right you're married i'm married uh you know obviously you and i are longtime friends our wives are friends we uh you know we have a good time we've taken trips together all of these things we're very fortunate in that respect you and I enjoy spending time with our wives uh, and the four of us, you know, again, we enjoy hanging out. Not everybody has the relationship with their wife that you and I have with our wives. And I've, I've had a story about a gentleman who is the perfect example. In 2013, a Texas man named Rogelio Andoverde was abducted from his home in front of his terrified wife by two masked men with guns. He returned days later unharmed. 
It was later discovered that he staged the abduction himself just so he could go out drinking with friends. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine this? This dude literally faked his own kidnapping to go to a party because he was afraid of his wife. (laughs) And he does it in front of his wife. (laughs) He has to involve her in it. So apparently he's 34 years old. He was at home with his wife when two masked men with guns forced their way in around 10.30 p.m. and grabbed him. His wife, Maria Hernandez, immediately called authorities and was petrified after having witnessed what she thought was the abduction of her husband. We took this incident very serious because of the circumstances described to us by the wife, said Sheriff Guadalupe Trevino of the Hidalgo County Sheriff's Office. People don't just barge into your house and kidnap you for the hell of it. Search helicopters and a dozen deputies from the Department of Public Safety were called in to look for Andoverde. The search was called off after hours went by without any fresh leads. Two days later, Andoverde showed up at his house and told his wife he'd been released by his kidnappers. But a follow-up police investigation showed that he had set up the kidnapping so he could spend time with his friends and party. And Averde eventually pleaded guilty to making a false report to police, which is a class B misdemeanor. He was released from jail on time served after spending 19 days there. I don't think his wife appreciated being kept up until four or five in the morning, being interviewed by the cops while her husband was out doing who knows what with who knows who. He's going to have a lot of answering to do, Trevino said. He just shows back up. It's cool. They They let me go. Yeah. It's cool. We don't need to go any further with this. It's cool. <laughs> Honey, I've been through a lot. I just don't want to talk about it. I just want to go to bed. Yeah. I had a three-leg parlay that I was sure was going to hit. <laughs> I can't even discuss it. Right? I just I just need some rest. I just need some rest. Yeah. Can you imagine your wife legitimately thinks that you were kidnapped at gunpoint? You know... If you come to my house at 1030 at night, well, okay, my wife's probably asleep at 1030 at night, but let's call it nine o'clock at night. You come to my house, you come to your house. What are we doing? Probably, I don't know. We're sitting on the couch watching TV, something like that. And then all of a sudden, two people with masks on and guns bust into the house and kidnap you in front of your wife. She's calling the cops. She's scared to death. She's going to be a single wife, a single mother now and all of this stuff. Doesn't have any idea what happened. A couple days later, you just wander in because you wanted to party. Like, oh man, I'm tired. <laughs> like, yeah, come on. We, we they told me not to involve the authorities, so I, I think we best listen. <laughs> That's right. They really said I shouldn't even tell you anything about where I was or what I did. Just know that I'm safe, and they treated me well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if you see anything suspicious on the bank statement, just know they took my card. They're diabolical. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just can't imagine. Like, is that better than the fight that you would have with your wife because you went out with your friends to party and she didn't want you to? So I'm assuming you probably already have had those fights with your wife. And this this was the last resort. Yeah, because that's really the that's really the balancing act, right? We've all been in those situations where you want to do something, you want to go somewhere, you want to you know have some activity, and your wife doesn't want you to. You have a disagreement about it. You have a back and forth about it. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, 
as guys, we give in. It's not worth the fight, right? It's just like, okay, fine. I might resent you for a while. <laughs> I might hold it against you. This may really drive a wedge between us, but fine, I won't go. Sure. But not this man. This man says, there's a third option. There's a third door that hasn't been opened here yet. And that is the horrible surprise kidnapping. That Because she can't possibly, there's no way that she can be angry at me when she thinks I've been kidnapped and barely was able to survive. She's not going to be angry at me for being gone, partying. I'll come back home and she'll be ecstatic to see me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a victimless crime. Yeah. No (laughs) one gets hurt hurt in these situations. (laughs) (laughs) Took years off her life, I'm sure. (sighs) Yeah. That's a guy we should have on the show sometime. Really should. Rogelio Andaverde. I man, I'm going to try to reach. I will try to find Rogelio Andaverde, and if I can, keep keep an ear out because I'm going to have him on the show. There's more to this story that I want to learn. (laughs) 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 And more power to him. Gutsy, gutsy guy. Very gutsy. And while we're talking about uh, marital strife and the issues that may come from it. Here's another one. In 2017, 70-year-old Lawrence Ripple walked into a Kansas City bank with a note demanding money and that he had a gun, then sat down in the lobby and waited to be arrested. He told investigators he would rather go to jail than live with his wife any longer. He was eventually sentenced to house arrest. (laughs) (laughs) I guess punishment fits the crime there, <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my goodness! Yeah, first of all, the guy goes into a bank with a gun and everything, with a note. I have a gun. I'm going to rob you. I'm just going to sit over here. If anyone needs me, I'm just going to be right here in the lobby. I'm just going to hang out and wait. Needless to say, they call the cops. Yeah, I'd rather be arrested and spend another minute with my wife. Yeah, and let it, me tell so you something. Like, house arrest is one thing, but even after house arrest is over, he's still there. Yeah. It isn't going to go better for you. He figured he would do minimally 15, 20 years in jail. <laughs> he wasn't going to make it out alive. I yeah. mean, this was better than divorce. Somehow yeah. robbing a bank was better than just not being with his wife anymore. <laughs> it was cheaper for him probably to That's go right. to jail because he knew <laughs> she would take everything. Yeah. He's already <laughs> 70. Here's the thing that's really funny, though. So before taking up bank robbery, Lawrence Ripple was a low-key retiree who stayed at home in Kansas City with his wife of 20 years, Remedios Ripple, known as Dory. Despite his frail state after surgery a year ago following a heart attack, he argued with his wife every day, relatives say. (laughs) He wanted to get arrested and to get away. He just had enough and he needed some place to rest his head, the close relative who spoke on the condition of anonymity said. It's crazy, but he had no place else to go. She told him to fix the dryer, and I don't know how this happened. There was fighting about the dryer that day, and it was a simple thing. It didn't work right, relative said. Without any fight left in him, the 70-year-old man jotted down a note in front of his furious wife. He then fled the house, telling her he'd rather be locked up than live there another day. At around 2.30 p.m. the same day, Ripple walked through the doors of the Bank of Labor, a block away from the Kansas City Police Department's headquarters, and hand-delivered the threatening note that he penned in front of his wife, according to a federal criminal complaint. I have a gun. 
give me all your cash, it read, the Fed say. The teller supplied him. Oh, he actually wasn't armed, so I'm mistaken about that. He said he was, but he wasn't. The, t- the teller gave him $2,924. Rather than leave with the money, he simply sat down in the bank lobby and interacted with the bank security guard. Once under arrest, he spilled the beans to the FBI agents and local cops. He explained how he'd become fed up for taking incoming fire from his wife again and again and no longer wanted to be in the situation. Lawrence Ripple apologized to the judge and received light punishment of three years probation with no jail time. The man who originally told his wife he preferred to be in jail was also punished with six months of prison time for him, which is which is house arrest. <laughs> I mean, hey, desperate times call for desperate measures, I guess. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a man can only take so much. You can't just keep pushing him and pushing him and asking him to fix the dryer and all of these things like that's It's just going to backfire on you. Ladies, learn a lesson, learn a lesson from this. Oh, that is fantastic. You yeah. were so sick and tired of your wife that you faked rock me up to, to go to jail. Just please, please, <laughs> and, please and, lock me up. And it's not like the bank was probably like, you know, 30 yards down the road. Like he had time to think about this, <laughs> yeah. to cool off, and it was still the best option for him. Yep. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm doing this. I've, I'm, I'm committed. <laughs> yeah. This is it. Nope. This is the best decision for me at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> After 20 years of marriage. Jeez. <sighs> All right. So uh, moving on, if I'm not mistaken, uh, because we we were uh, previously recording our sports show that we do every week, which I highly encourage people to check out. But I uh, happen to know because of some interesting news that came up that you happen to have a bottle of whiskey uh, near you right now. If you want to uh, hold that up, I know that you were drinking a little bit of very good Japanese Yamazaki 12 year whiskey It's excellent, mm-hmm. excellent whiskey. Not cheap either. Yamazaki's no. very good and quite pricey. But it doesn't quite compare to this next story. For those who appreciate the finer things in life, a bottle of the world's most sought-after scotch whiskey just sold for more than $2.7 million Saturday at Sotheby's in London. The Macallan 1926 is one of just 40 bottles drawn after aging in sherry casks for 60 years, making it the oldest Macallan vintage ever produced. Sotheby's had expected to raise between, call it 750 and 1.2 million. And they got shocked when it ended up going for $2,724,967, making it a new record for any bottle of spirit or wine sold at auction. That is a lot of money for a bottle of whiskey. I mean, that is crazy. And what's really crazy is you've never been able to buy these. So of the 40 bottles that were filled in 1986, none of them were made available for purchase. Some of them were instead offered to McAllen's top clients, a luxury that, of course, adds to its appeal, as evidenced in previous sales of the bottles. In 2019, Sotheby sold a bottle of McAllen 1926 adorned with one of 14 fine and rare labels, for $1.9 million at the time, making it the most expensive bottle of wine or spirit ever auctioned. 
Saturday's sale was one of 12 bottles covered with a label designed by Italian painter Valerio Adami, a bottle of which is also believed to have been destroyed during, during the 2011 Japanese earthquake. Here's what's interesting. I'm going to cover that in a second. This bottle is also the first of the Macallan 1926 bottles to have undergone reconditioning carried out by the Macallan Distillery in Scotland before the auction. So there were only 12 bottles of this with this special label from this Italian painter. And one of them got destroyed, or at least is believed to have been destroyed, in a 2011 Japanese earthquake. So then there are only 11 of those particular bottles with that specific label. And the only one of those to actually go through restoration by the Macallan Distillery. Imagine the person that actually drank the bottle in 1986. Like, oh, well, thank you very much. And today you're like, (laughs) crap. (laughs) Yeah, we say it all the time with with our whiskey, with our cigars, different things, where it's like, man, I have so many good, expensive things that I don't have enough special occasions uh, to, to, you know, you don't want to just waste it on any given Tuesday. You know, you want to really spend. Right. But man, at a certain point, it's kind of like, $2.7 $2.7 million, like the last thing I want to do is spend $2.7 million on a bottle of whiskey. And then I go out tomorrow and get hit by a bus and I never even got the opportunity to try the stuff. You know, it's like, it's like Pappy Van Winkle. It's like, if I get a, a bottle of it, I got to drink some of it. I can't only let it right. sit there and never, ever open it. You know, you got to have some of it. I, I think that for $2.7 I'll probably not ever like maybe uh, take an eyedropper full or something, right. you know? Yeah. To kind of put a syringe in and like That's through exactly the cork, right. pull some yes. out and then yeah, do it that I'll way. Never yeah. pop the cork on that. That's no. crazy. Jeez, man. $2.7 million. For a bottle. Yeah. I think uh, I want to say this bottle I have here, I think, I don't know, 120, 130 bucks like is what I spent. something. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, like I've had this for, I, I don't know, six, seven years at this point. And right. I only pull it out for special occasions. You'll have to watch the <laughs> uh, the sports show to understand why I pull, uh, right. pulled it out. Uh, but yeah, uh, I couldn't imagine. And that was crazy for me even, you know, at that time, I'm like, golly, man, this is crazy. But I wanted it. <laughs> I was in a position to buy it and I bought yeah. it. But it's you good know, stuff. I, it, you know, it, it's been opened for sure. So. That's right. <laughs> you know, and I'll show you. I mean, there are some differences. Like if... Uh, if I show you what this, this is a picture of the bottle of Macallan from Sotheby's that just sold for $2.7 million. Aged 60 years in sherry wood casks. There it is. That's it's what a, a 2.7. Yeah. It's yeah. what a $2.7 million bottle of whiskey looks like. And there you can see the label made by the Italian artist there. And the numbering there, 12 of 12. That's cool. I mean, you know, I guess more, maybe even more so for the art, possibly, is what makes it, you know, because it's, you know, if it's special just for that bottle, it's cool. I mean, geez. I mean, I might have bid 200 200 or 300 bucks towards it, Mm. but there you go. You know, there you go. Might be worth taking a a risk uh, for 300 bucks, but. Hindsight being 2020, now we know you wouldn't have gotten it. But at the time, sure. that would have made sense. It would have sure. made sense to throw throw your hat in the ring, right? See what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? <laughs> Jeez. 
Yeah. That's crazy. So, uh, it's crazy what people will spend their money on. And like, yeah. just that, the money that's still in this world that people can just throw around like that. That's yeah. a bottle. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a bottle of whiskey. Uh, just a bottle of whiskey, you know? Yeah, aged for 60 years, that doesn't mean it's a good bottle. I mean, <laughs> right. there's a lot of stuff that gets aged for a very long time. Doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. I mean, if it's a bad batch, 60 years doesn't make it a good batch. It's still right. a bad batch of whiskey, <laughs> but hey. Well, the you know, whiskey I, expert at Sotheby's said that he tried a tiny drop of it and said it was so great you know how to, it was like yeah of course he said that do you think the guy at sotheby's who's who is the auctioneer of this thing is saying like i tried it, it tastes like rubbing alcohol oh, so, yeah, like, look, it ain't that good i mean no. i can just get a bottle of benchmark for 30 bucks and tastes <laughs> just as good if you buy this buy it for decoration only because you're not going to want to drink it <laughs> right i mean of course the guy's gonna say it was amazing the real question is how did he try a tiny tiny drop of it it had to have been a syringe syringe or something like that that. yeah yeah do they do a syringe and then maybe like a little bit of like uh glue or something to to block that hole because any air at all that gets in there is a problem i would think so yeah that's yeah yeah. and i'm imagine buying it and then it just all evaporates out of there (laughs) what the Jeez. 60 years I've waited. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Pretty crazy. I mean, uh, so what, what is maybe not off topic, but I'm just curious. Do you have any, like, what is the rarest or most expensive whiskey that you have, have had? Ooh. Do you know? I hadn't planned well, on asking you this. It just popped Yeah. No, head. I mean, honestly, uh, the, the Yamakaze is probably the, uh, uh, Yama, I was I, I call it Yamaka. I've been calling it Yamakazi all night. Yeah. Yamazaki, uh, Yamazaki. Is probably. I'm trying to think. That might be the most expensive bottle I've ever tasted. I mean, I've I've drank some really good, you know, bourbons, but oh, you know, yeah. I'm usually the one trying to find like the best bourbon for the cheapest price. Right. You know, that's that's kind <laughs> right. of where I'm at. So, um, yeah. yeah, I would think that's probably it. I. I I don't know. Like I, like I'm not gonna go to a restaurant and spend ninety dollars for a a shot or yeah. something. Like I'm just not gonna do that. So, yeah, it, it is interesting because well, and also I mean Yamazaki. If you go to a restaurant, I mean you could spend easy twenty five thirty bucks on a bottle of that, no problem. I mean it's it, it does get expensive. Now it's it's makes a whole lot more sense when you like have a bottle but out at a restaurant if, if you can find a place that has japanese whiskeys yamazaki is not cheap that's for sure right yeah that's a uh, that's a very good one i would say for me i've had louis the 13th uh which was very good that's very that's like 125 bucks a glass that's ridiculous pricing on that it's good uh, very few things are that good like that's a that's a right. challenging thing like at 125 dollars an ounce um, it's hard to justify <laughs> spending the money on it. This is exactly it. Yeah. That and, and, uh, Pappy Van Winkle. I've had some Pappy, um, but I haven't had all of the different Pappies, you know? So, uh, I've had some Pappy, which again, it's good, but it's just hard to say like so much of it is the idea of the rarity of it. Exactly. And honestly, it it's incredibly not even good, that but... rare. It's just, you know, exactly. it's this thing like, and we're, again, we'll go on a tangent here, but like it, Buffalo Trace, the area I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at, 
Buffalo Trace is, I love it. I, like as a good, cheap whiskey bourbon, it's fantastic. But yep. it's become so popular now that it has to be allocated. The stores up here that, that I get m- might possibly have two, three, four bottles. And people are waiting outside to get it. Like, I, I'm just not like, I'm not that interested in waiting in line, you know, yeah. for an allocated bottle. I've gotten plenty of allocated bottles. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it's usually the stuff that everybody else has passed over and, you know, <laughs> it's just sitting around. It's happened to go sure. in. Uh, I mentioned Benchmark. Like I, I um, managed to get a bottle of, uh, of Benchmark, which is from the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Um, dirt cheap, though. Like, it's insane. It was literally a $25 bottle. Wow. And it was fantastic. It was great. You know, it yeah. tastes like a good $25 bottle of bourbon, but it was allocated. And I'm like, are you like, yeah, it's why? a $25 bottle. It's insane. Uh, I got uh, another one. Um, it's, uh, I'm trying to remember the, uh, the guy, the name now. I can't even remember. It's, it's this burnt sugar. Um, it is um, the, the brand. It's like uh Ben's burnt sugar. I don't even know what it is. Uh, I just again another bottle. Uh, mm-hmm. It tastes like it literally tastes like a, a caramel candy. Like it's <laughs> so sweet uh, and it's good. It's, it's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Again, it literally was a nineteen dollar bottle, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is cool." And the guy's like, "Yeah, this is allocated. Like we get like a couple of why, yeah. why, why it has become <laughs> insane." And that's the same yeah. with Happy. It's not like Happy's not that difficult it shouldn't be that difficult to get right. you know but they you know th- i mean it's br- it's brilliant marketing don't get me wrong oh yeah it's great marketing Scarcity. It, it's just it's the most annoying thing in the world like there's yeah. no reason that you know uh, at my local abc store uh pappy you can you, you pretty much have to enter a drawing to buy it mm-hmm. at value and at value um is literally like a hundred like it ranges depending on which Pappy you get, it ranges from like 70 bucks to like 130 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, promise they get one or two in, you've got to be entered into a drawing to try and get it and to buy it at that price. Yeah, It's not a thousand. It's not $10,000 a bottle or anything. No, you just got to be able to get it. I mean, it's cool. I would love to own a bottle again. I probably would own it and, you know, probably keep it and, you know, just, it's cool to have, you know, like, Oh, it's hard to get. That's a cool thing. But yeah, it, it's. Uh, I'm sure that McClellan is not worth. Uh, clearly, it's not worth that money. It's just you know, it's the scarcity. And, and again, it's, it's people that apparently have nothing better to do than to to buy. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool hobby, I guess. You know, like late. Hey, oh, there's me great own the money. Rarest. In it. Yeah, let me. Own, yeah, and I don't think it's ever going to go down in price. Uh-huh. It's not like it's going to be, you know, uh, a thing that's like oh, you know, sports card or something. You know, it'd be like yeah. a Mac Jones rookie card that sells for. <laughs> you know, a million dollars and now, you know, it's worth a thousand, you know, so yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's nothing like that. So it'll only yeah, go up in, in theory because there are only fewer bottles, right? Yeah. I mean, there were only 12 of this specific bottle. One of them is already broken. So now, you know, there's only one of 11 in the whole world. That's exactly like this yeah. over time. Others are going to get broken, accidentally cracked and shipping. Something's going to happen, you know? So, you yeah. know, I, I mean, Obviously, the market's going to fluctuate no matter what, but but in sure. theory, they will only become more scarce. So, right? Imagine yeah. that person. Like, who was that person that had a bottle, and I apparently had it out during you know an earthquake? Not not well, that it, they it was knew probably an on a shelf or something right. like that. You know, but how yeah, do you have a bottle like that? Not like 
put into like I, I don't know. I would have it in a vault, a safe, something. You know, <laughs> right. jeez. Yeah. Well, maybe they just had it on display, or maybe they were drinking it. Who knows? So. Yeah, good point. All right, let's move on. Since people were talking about people that enjoy the finer things in life, uh, I read this the other day. I thought it was really interesting. A cruise passenger reaches a milestone that few have ever reached. This is a cruise line that uh, people here in the U.S. may not have heard of, but they're big in Europe, and it's called Fred Olson Cruise Line. And so one cruise guest celebrated a very special milestone aboard a recent Fred Olson cruise, reaching 2,500 nights at sea with the UK-based cruise line. Kevin Harrison has set sail with Fred Olson Cruise Lines more than 100 times in the past 30 years and has sailed on every one of the ships uh, any every one of their ships during his extensive travels. He lives in West Yorkshire. He ran four fish and chips shops before retiring, and he began cruising with Fred Olson Cruise Lines in 1993. The trip was to celebrate his birthday, and from there he sailed into cruising history. 2500 nights on a cruise line. I just don't get it. No, and here's Why? the thing. My wife and I have been on cruises. Neither one of us are big fans of cruises. I don't think, unless someone else was paying, I don't really see a scenario where we would go on another cruise. We don't get much out of it. I do think there's some value if you want to see places that you would then want to actually take a trip to and spend time at. But seriously, 2,500 nights divided by 300, oops, 365 years, that is Days. almost seven years. 6.84 years <laughs> that he has spent at, at sea on a cruise ship. Seven years of his life have been spent on a cruise ship. That's so insane. I mean, and he were, I guess those fish and chips places did really well for <laughs> they him. Well, yeah. Jeez. I mean, he's able to retire in the 90s and then spend the next seven years on a boat. <laughs> yeah. He said, I recognize I'm very lucky to have been able to explore the world this way. I've ticked off all the countries I can think of that have access via water, and I've seen some incredible things. Now, to celebrate Harrison's 2500th night on board the cruise ships, during the November 1st departure of their new ship Borealis for a 14-night cruise visiting the Azores, Madeira, and Portugal, he was surprised with a thoughtful and elegant celebration. Now, a guy who has spent 2,500 nights on a cruise ship over the years, you can imagine pretty crazy gifts that he's going to be getting from the cruise line. Here's what he got. A nice cake that just says 2,500. It doesn't even have his name on it. Yeah. yeah not like, uh, Hey, 50% off, uh, all cruises from here on out or, yes. Hey, uh, the next five cruises are on us. Like yes. no, just a, just a cake. Uh, yep. Just a baked cake. Uh, some, but there's icing. a little more. Here he is with the cabin. He gets a little oh, plaque, a little award. And some balloons. Yeah, got some yeah. balloons. People are happy. And then just in case you thought that that would be it, there's an ice sculpture <laughs> of the number 2,500. <laughs> what now, am I going to do with this? <laughs> exactly. What does that do for him? 
How does that benefit him in any way? That uh, an ice sculpture of the number twenty five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, you can take this with you. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> it's hot outside. <laughs> <laughs> he just carried around twenty five hundred, slowly melting. <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was so weird that like you give him things that literally have no value after that. A, a cake. It's like really just a birthday cake that they went to the grocery store and got. And they said, instead of like, happy 40th, could you just <laughs> crudely write the number 2500 on there? <laughs> no name, yeah. no nothing. Yeah. We don't need that. Just just, just find your uh, least competent uh, cake maker <laughs> to do this. I don't want to pay too much. Just, just etch in in block letters the number 2500. Is that possible? That's all we need. <laughs> Yeah, we're good. <laughs> we don't want it fancy. No, no, no. Want to... <laughs> yeah. We want it to look like a gift that would be given to a real idiot. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because this is by far our most valued client uh-huh, and uh-huh. arguably the easiest and best marketing we could ever have as a company. A person who has wanted to come back for 2,500 nights on our cruise ships. So what we're thinking about doing is getting him a $8 cake from the grocery store and an ice sculpture only of the number of nights that he has stayed. Again, not personalized in any way. It's just (laughs) random. People walk by and be like, what is that? 2,500? This doesn't even have his name. Nothing. Yeah. It's like, did he win $2,500? Like what is the 25? And what's probably happening is then they just like, wheel it back into the freezer until the next guy gets 2,500 yeah. nights and they wheel it back out because they don't want to personalize it in any way. Sure. No. I mean, you just, you just keep that on, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like a, a children's party at, uh, you know, uh, one of the, uh, I, I don't even know the birthday places, Chuck E. Cheese or something, yeah. you know, like just wheel it out. Yeah. Just bring it, it back out. in just for the next person. Clear the know? dust yeah. off. Yeah. Clear the dust off the ice sculpture. <laughs> bring it on out here. We got another one. But that yeah, 2,500 nights on a cruise ship is crazy. I'm not knocking people that like cruises. People like cruises. Oh, I'm no, not I've, saying no, plenty I'm, of people that like them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying I've had a bad time on them. It's just, if I'm going to the Bahamas and it's seven days in the Bahamas, it's really four and a half days on a boat. And that's just not, I could go on a boat anytime. Like I want to be sure. there. I'd rather do a three hour flight and be, you know, be in the Bahamas or Hawaii or wherever it is I'm going, like fly for however many hours and then spend the whole time there versus, you know, getting six hours off of the boat to go try to check out a whole culture and then jump back on the boat and take <laughs> off again. Yeah. It's just weird that you would yeah. want to do that many, like, how do you enjoy that many cruises? I, I don't, it's, it, it's seven years of your life. Yeah. You've been on these, on these boats. out of 30 I, years. So, I mean, we're talking about almost a quarter of this guy's life in the last 30 years has been spent on a cruise ship, a cruise ship. Yeah. It's very bizarre. I mean, 2,500 divided by 30 years is 83 days a year. That he's on a cruise, so almost almost three months out of every year for the last thirty years, this guy has been on a cruise ship. <laughs> that's, hey, I guess if that's what you love, I mean, yeah. do what you love. They say, and that's they say it. You know what? Yeah, that he he 
owned fish and chips and was able to <laughs> use that money. His, his, I'm sure his kids are probably like, God, stop going on these cruises, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Dad. Yeah. Please, I need the money. <laughs> yeah. We, you did not, you, you sold the businesses. You did not give us the opportunity to take over the businesses. There's no money here for us. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's, uh, let's go in a totally different direction here. In 2008, the founders of Airbnb were so broke that they sold custom cereal boxes to make money. Brian Chesky, Joe Gebbia, and Nathan Blakarczyk were just three guys trying to keep their young startup Airbnb afloat. They were running out of money and facing eviction from their apartment. Out of desperation, they came up with a crazy idea. They would create custom cereal boxes featuring presidential candidates Barack Obama and John McCain. They called them Obama O's and Cap'n McCain's. First of all, a great idea. Second of all, here is the actual pictures of the boxes. Obama O's have hope in every bowl. Cap'n McCain's a maverick in every bite. Huh. And here's what's crazy. It worked for them. The timing was perfect. They managed to sell 1,000 boxes for $40 each, making $30,000. The money was enough to keep Airbnb afloat for a few more months. The cereal box stunt was a success, not just because it raised money, but also because it got people talking about Airbnb. The company received a lot of free publicity. Today, Airbnb is one of the most successful companies in the world. It's valued at over $80 billion and has over 7 million listings in over 100,000 cities. The Airbnb story of cereal boxes is a reminder that even in the darkest of times, there's always hope. With a little creativity and determination, anything is possible. So did they get permission from Obama and McCain to make cereal after their likeness? I'm sure they didn't. I'm right. sure they didn't. But how did they get away with it? I don't and then know. who made the cereal for them? Or did they just take it out of another box and yeah. <laughs> take it out of actually Captain <laughs> Crunch? Stuff golden grams in the box. <laughs> yes. <There you> go. <laughs> yeah. Who knows if there was even cereal in them? Maybe it was just boxes. I don't know. Wow. I mean, look, it's a smart idea as it pertains to they took advantage of, you know, the timing of a presidential election and. That probably got them news coverage and stuff like that. They clearly were able to sell it. They raised 30 grand. If you're, you know, running a startup, you're trying to like just pay the bills, stay afloat. An influx of 30 grand is huge. And then you also get people talking because needless to say, in every interview, everything where it came up, they're saying, oh, well, we're doing this to raise money for our startup company called Airbnb. Here's what Airbnb is. Here's what we do. Here's how we operate. And so that started people looking into it and uh, helped them get off the ground. No, I mean, good for them. I, I don't know how they got away with it, but apparently they did. <laughs> yeah. Now, I wonder yeah. if anyone still has the like some of the boxes. I, know. I mean, that's you would think that would be worth more than the hundred bucks that they spent on, or forty bucks that they spent on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I've never looked that up to see, like, um, but yeah, I mean, I see there are boxes, and I just don't know, you know, what they would be selling for now. I mean, I do see here, yeah, there's there, there some of these were auctions. I see some like auction back in 2008 and stuff like that. 
Um, yeah, so hard to know. Hard to know what they'd probably go on like eBay or something like that. We might be able to uh, to see, you know, what they if there if there's anything out there on them. Yeah, but, I was uh, checking uh, myself to see if there's anything on eBay right now. Yeah, <laughs> Obama O cereal. Uh, see booty O's, crusty O's. I don't see any Obama O's. All right, no one is willing to sell them. Hmm. Nope, they're holding on to them here. Holding so. on that money. All right. Well, there you go. So I thought that was an interesting story. I thought it was interesting on a few levels, right? It's a weird idea. It's a weird thing. It also shows just like there is perseverance, right? Like these guys are sitting here going like, okay, man, we just can't get the word out. We can't seem to get this thing going and we can't grow the show. It's just not taken off. They went another direction. They pivoted and they were able to uh, to stay afloat. So it's pretty, uh, pretty cool. There we go. So we're going to come up with uh, uh, Biden. What, what, I don't even know. Biden bagels. <laughs> Trump tacos. Is that what we're I love doing? It. I love it. I love it. Yep. There we go. Yeah. That's All it. right. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for Stay how the orders. tuned. <laughs> All right. So moving on, uh, we're going to kind of go rapid fire here because uh, I don't want to go too late here. Saw this the other day, uh, maybe valuable for any of our friends who are into investing, any of our listeners who want to find some things to invest in. The top 10 holdings in the Mormon church's $47 billion portfolio. First now, of all. First off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's start right there. Why does the Mormon church have a $47 billion portfolio? But Dang. If you want to know what is in the Mormon Church's $47 billion portfolio, it's Apple, Microsoft, Google, NVIDIA, Amazon, United Health Group, Meta, which is Facebook, MasterCard, Exxon, Tesla. Wow. I mean, look, that's a great portfolio. Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, that's who you'd want. If you got in early enough on any of those, you're making a ton of money. But I don't yeah. think they got in early enough on every one of them to make $47 billion. It's incredible that the Mormon church has a $47 billion portfolio. Yeah. Especially considering how like people in the Mormon church usually are like, you know, really, uh, you know, they kind of do the whole simple thing and everything. <laughs> well, they're nothing but simple uh, with $47 <laughs> billion in your portfolio. Yeah. Jeez. The Mormon church is richer than lots of countries. $47 billion. Absolutely. Portfolio. I wonder what they, I mean, this has to be a way to skirt taxes or something, right? I mean, this has got to be yes. fantastic. Yeah, because yeah. they don't have to pay taxes on it. Right. It's just, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. So if you want to invest like the Mormon church, and believe me, you do. Uh, then you now have the, the, their top 10, uh, most, most held stocks in their portfolio. So no excuse now not to uh, go forth and prosper. There we go. Or become Mormon and That's get right. in good with them. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, in 2006, a man offered a hitman $50,000 to eliminate his wife, Susan Kuhnhausen using a hammer and staging it as a failed robbery. However, when the hired assailant arrived and assaulted her, Suzanne fought back, 
ultimately strangling and killing the hitman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What? I mean, what hitman did you use that Sirius was able to strangle him and kill him? Uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, here's the other thing that I'm going to say. I'm going to see if I can manage to zoom in on this enough for you to be able to see it really well. Because this is definitely worth uh, seeing. This is the guy. This is the guy that she was able to kill. This dude wow. broke into her house with a hammer to kill her. And she choked him out and killed him. Strangled him. Yeah. Was he paraplegic or something? I don't understand. <laughs> I think he wheeled himself in. Right. <laughs> yeah. That insane or what? So the the longest the long and short of it is, and I won't I won't go into every single detail, but that guy's name is Ed Haffey. Uh he was a hitman hired by her estranged husband to uh kill her with a hammer. And so (laughs) she grappled with him, bit him and wrestled the hammer away from him. And he, uh, so before she could like actually take the hammer to him, he started punching and, you know, hitting her and everything, knocked the hammer out of her hand. So then they wrestled, continued punching each other, both went to the ground and then she managed to get him in a chokehold (laughs) and choked him out. Yeah, and not, yeah, and not just choke him out; just continuously choke him out until he's dead. Yeah. So I, I, I listen to this. Uh, that, this is a little bit more into it. So Susan Kuhnhausen, an emergency room nurse for thirty years, yeah. had been trained regularly in self defense. She had experience administering IVs into thrashing patients going through drug withdrawals and occasionally cracked open chests of patients in order to perform heart massages. She never thought she'd need to use any of these skills outside of the ER. The hitman, Edward Haffey, had a long criminal record. During the struggle, he managed to land a swift blow to her left temple with the hammer. However, Kuhnhausen, well-versed in effective self-defense skills, <laughs> she launched into action, tackling and pushing him against the wall. It was at that moment that Haffey spoke the only word she heard him say that night. You're strong. <laughs> You're strong. You're strong. Oh, God. What did I get myself into? Can I just leave? I'd like to go now. I'd like to go now. Oh, someone else said uh, that they read somewhere that a patient uh, had threatened her years later and she just replied, Google me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's when you that's when you bought into your own hype. <laughs> oh yeah, you no, don't she want bought it. You don't want it. Just Google. Google me. me. <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy. Uh. Yeah, man. There. I mean, look, that is the type of thing where if you've lived through that, if you were able to survive something like that, I mean, come on, like that's that's a story worth uh, worth telling. Heck yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Jeez. All right. So. Moving on from that, again, we're going to try to go quickly here. I uh, saw this the other day. This is, talk about clever. I'm going to show you the future of a tool that you would not think would have any reason 
to ever change or evolve in any way until you see this. Okay. A lot of build up to this. All right. I'm going to share my this, screen so. here. I'm going to share my screen here so that you can see the video. Again, anyone listening to the podcast, we will give a, a, a description of what's happening here. But let me show you what I have here. This man is an axe expert. Same time, done. You want a nunchucks axe? Done. You want a folding axe where the handle locks together? Done. But a baton axe that just pulls out a switchblade axe thing. <laughs> Boom. Is that, crazy? Is, that crazy? is that crazy or what? This guy customizes axes uh, for whatever you need. Yeah, he can do it all. He can do it yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that? Like this guy's like, nah. Listen, I get a single blade axe is fine, but if I had three axes all attached to each other, I mean, talk about being able to do three times as much work. Yeah. It's perfect. Look at how much work I could get done. It gives me so much more room to do activities. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the idea. That each of these things, not only does he have the idea, he actually utilizes it. He shows you that, like, this isn't just in theory. This is real. Like, I am I can do this. This works as a product. The thing that I have, I think, the least confidence in, if it were me having to, to uh, use this, is probably the nunchucks axe, where it has a handle and then just a chain with an axe head on the end of it. But he still splits the wood with that thing. He manages to, to do it, yeah. I like the yeah. uh, the baton slash uh, switchblade axe. Yes. Uh, that seems like that will come in handy, maybe for a home invasion. Absolutely. Yeah, nobody <laughs> wants to uh, nobody wants to mess with it. We get the locking handle out first. That's for if you carry on luggage, you want to be sure, able to have. Sure. There's the baton. <laughs> And then this thing, this thing is like uh, a Sith Lord axe right there, man. There's nothing. Talk about being able to split up a whole lot of little pieces of wood. Yeah, this is a real outdoorsman here. Oh, sure. With a lot of time on his hands, apparently. Well, I'm sure he's probably dead now. (laughs) Probably got injured doing all of this. Sure, (laughs) yeah. I'm guessing uh, one time that nunchuck axe came back and did some damage. His uh, welding is in his strong suit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I thought this one was uh, pretty, pretty nuts. So, yeah, worth worth a look to see what this guy has uh, has been able to come up with. So, people are creative out there. We don't give people enough credit. A guy like that who's clearly just hidden away in the woods, much like the Unabomber. But instead of the Unabomber, you're not making bombs, you're making no. axes. The Unax. Making axes. Yep. The Unax. <laughs> So yeah, I thought that was uh, thought that was cool. And then uh, today, as we start to wrap up the show, I have one more little thing, and we will. This is sweeping the nation. People love this. This is real things for sale on Facebook Marketplace. I will tell you what I have today could not possibly live up to what I got last week. Okay, no, I want to be clear about no. this. But I thought. These are two completely opposite things. This is the beauty of Facebook Marketplace is that there is absolutely no reason for lots of these things to even be on it to begin with, and then no way to predict what will be on there. 
So this one I thought was pretty fascinating to see, which is if you're a fan of music, you might like to have a Statler Brothers promotional photo and has a little uh, little thing on the back here as well. You can see the promotion photo of the Statler Brothers. Safe to say, promo photos have changed a lot <laughs> over the years. So this guy has to be a bus driver now. Sure. This guy's locked up. It has to be, has to be locked up. And uh, none of them are brothers, and none of them have the last name Statler. (laughs) I do feel like that is maybe a misappropriation of the Statler brothers' uh, name there. And they say, Statler brothers' photo on cardstock, autographed by Jimmy Fortune, which is this guy, circa early 1990s, excellent condition. So there you go. If you want an autographed picture of something that says Statler Brothers on it with a random collection of guys who, like you said, are not brothers. They all have different last names. None of their names is Statler. Yeah. I cannot describe or explain why that exists. And Uh, and the other thing is, and I think it's really important to understand, the person selling this, it's being sold for $2. (laughs) Why? <laughs> exactly. What is the purpose of selling that for $2? Uh, yeah, it's like you're just cleaning out your cloth. Like, oh, I got to sell this. What, yeah. what, what's a good price? Uh, it, it's funny. Uh, Nick uh, Bar- Bargatze um, uh, has a, uh, a little comedy skit. He does that, but, you know, saying that his wife was selling something on uh, Facebook Marketplace for $5. And, uh, you know, it, someone was coming to the house to pick it up. And he's like, best case scenario is we get $5. (laughs) (laughs) Worst case scenario. Yeah. Is we're all murdered. You know, you bring (laughs) a serial killer into you. And you sold it for two bucks. Yeah. That's funny. What if I didn't (laughs) bought it? Might have to. uh... Yeah. Don't see it sold. So if you're a Stanley brothers enthusiast, yeah, uh, and you want that Jimmy Fortune autograph that he wrote out to somebody named Karen? Uh, <laughs> it's there. It's there. <laughs> From Staunton, Virginia. Yeah, the Statlers. Yeah. And then I saw this, and this is again going the opposite direction. Uh, this is something where if you're buying this, I mean, your budget is significant. Maybe the idea of buying this on Facebook Marketplace seems a little bit weird, but again. Everyone does their own thing. An insane Sherpa all-terrain vehicle. Now, I want to buy this, to be clear. No, this looks cool. This is cool. But it is available on Facebook Marketplace. (laughs) It is some massive military-looking vehicle a weird camouflage patterned interior. I mean, this is like what the Russians are using right now in the battle in Ukraine. Sure. It is very cool. Now they say, let me go up to, cause they give a lot of description on this thing. It's $95,000. Oh my gosh. $94,995 Sherp amphibious swamp off-road go anywhere vehicle. Um, they go through obviously all the engine stuff and things like that. 
If you do not know about these vehicles, Google them and research them. And then they tell some of the stories, the tires deflate within 30 seconds and reinflate in the same amount of time for perfect off-road traction and ability to maneuver through sand, snow, mud, or straight through the water. This unit's ready for anything. They have a YouTube video. They talk about all the upgrades that they've done with it. There are so many features to this. Better to look at their website to get all the details. And then call ahead because we're using it for video content. And uh, yeah, that's the vehicle. I mean, that is a cool vehicle. Now it's $95,000. I mean, so who was looking for one of these and was like, yeah. I wonder if uh, anyone's <laughs> selling one on Facebook Marketplace. Yes. Let me check there first instead of the place <laughs> that actually builds these. Yes. Let me check instead Facebook. Instead of with the U.S. Army. <laughs> let, me check yeah, let me check Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Who is the person? Last week... We have people selling a hornet's nest. So the same place that is selling a hornet's nest is selling a $95,000 military vehicle. It's crazy to me because it does show that like, there's no limit. Like you just throw it out there. People will just bite on something. There'll be crazy things listed all the time. Yeah. But a $95,000 military vehicle is not one that I expected to see. It is insane. Yeah. Like I, I just again, who who has first off ninety five thousand dollars to spend on on something? And was like, well, let me check Facebook Marketplace. It's probably first. not even street legal. It's no, of course, can't not. even drive on the road. No. So, like, what are you literally? Doing? You can, are, yeah, yeah. Literally, you're arms just, dealer. <laughs> yeah, you're literally just waiting around in a little pond that you have, you know, on your property or something. <laughs> Unless you're an international arms dealer and you're going to smuggle this to like Algeria or something, there's like, this is like no, not useful. Now I want it, but it's like, I can't take it to the grocery store. I'm not driving around right. on the highway in this thing. <laughs> I, can't. I don't even know how you can sell it. You sell it for $95,000. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nuts. Well, let's so, anyway, see if anyone bites uh, on it. That's right. You, know, <laughs> you, you never know unless you put it out there. You're not, you don't know. You're right. It's worth it's worth the risk. It's worth the yeah. risk. What's the downside? The, yeah. Well, the person that lost out on the McClellan uh, alcohol, <laughs> that's right, might just have some money to burn, you know. And yeah, hey, let me just go in here. You know what? There we go. That's the next best thing. Yeah, I wanted that McCallum for two point seven million, but this is a bargain <laughs> for only ninety five thousand dollars. I can't drive it drunk because I didn't get the whiskey, but, <laughs> but I, I'll just get this cruise around. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's everything we got for tonight. Anything, uh, last words, anything you want to throw out there? No, that's it. I mean, we'll probably, by the time this stuff gets out, might be at Thanksgiving or around yes. Thanksgiving. But if it's before that, have a great Thanksgiving. I'm getting ready to uh, go brine my turkey to oh, get it on the smoker uh, on Thursday. So, um, nice. yeah, looking forward to that. Um, you guys got plans? Laying low this year, laying low this year. Right. Uh, we did some traveling that. before. We're going to be out of town for Christmas, uh, seeing family this year. So we decided to stay uh, stay local and just hang here, uh, just the missus and I, uh, for Thanksgiving itself. And then uh, Christmas will be uh, will be gone. So we just figured, like it. simplify it. And uh, yeah, so not, not doing anything too crazy. You're staying, uh, staying on the home front? 
Yeah, actually, yeah, we're going to have the people uh, come to our place this year. Nice. So a uh, smaller group this year. So uh, we're able to host it. Um, so, yeah, 24-pound turkey getting ready to go on the smoke roll on Thursday. So, yeah, <laughs> wish me luck. It's always a, uh, a a harrowing task when you're responsible for the only thing that people want on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get yeah. that right. Yeah, yeah. You just hope that the uh, the turkey doesn't fall into the fire and uh, completely ruin Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> twenty four pound turkey. Want... Yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah. You got to get make sure that thing's cooked all the way through. I mean that's yeah. a massive bird right there. Yeah, a pterodactyl. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yes, you brought it up. So, yeah, we will say that to our audience, uh, for everyone. This episode will likely come out actually on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, it depends on when you're listening. If you're on YouTube, so just for everyone to have a little little tip here. The episodes come out on YouTube a day before they come out on the podcast platforms. So if you want to be able to see the episodes on YouTube, we have our sports show that comes out on Wednesdays, and then the big show comes out on Thursdays on YouTube. And then each of those is a day behind on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else, where it's a Thursday for the sports podcast, Friday for the big show on the uh, on the podcast network. So, yes, yeah, so uh, for those people that need some entertainment while they're hanging out after after Thanksgiving, you have the opportunity to tune in to You Get the Horn Show. And uh, you know what? Here's an idea: just get the laptop set up, <laughs> set it around the Thanksgiving table. Let us be That's part right. of your Thanksgiving. That's it. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah, because that, honestly, we're cooler and more fun than your family is. 100%. No Guaranteed. doubt about it. I Guaranteed. Will... Guaranteed. We're not that cool or that fun, but your family sucks. Yeah. So we are definitely better than they are. Way more entertaining. I can promise yes. you that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Worst case, half the table hates us and then turns into a big fight. And then send us an email. You get the horn uh -huh. show at gmail.com. Send us an email. Tell us about how we ruined your holidays. <laughs> and we'll read it on air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want to be, you want to, we will, we will, we will put it out there. We absolutely with, with all of the details, including your name and address. We will. <laughs> and your family members who, that's uh, right. Who we want to interview them as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah, okay. Well, we're going to wrap this sucker up. Uh, again, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Be safe. And uh, we look forward to talking with you soon. And, again, we will not take a Thanksgiving break. New episodes will be back next week on schedule, as always. Uh, but in the meantime, enjoy time with your friends and family. We appreciate you, and uh, we will talk soon. See you later, everybody. Mm -hmm.